Will Francisco Alvarez live up to the billing of being the Mets' best catcher since Mike Piazza? We'll discuss that on today's show. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we are breaking down Francisco Alvarez's rookie season in the first segment. I'll discuss his streaky offensive production in the second segment, the really good work he did behind the plate, and then in the final segment, We'll do a little bit of dreaming about his future. Before we get to any of it, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. Also, find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, for the YouTube audience, I had to flip the jersey around for this first segment here so I could rep Tommy Pham because we're all big Tommy Pham fans right now, particularly because... It is Fam and the Arizona Diamondbacks are the only thing standing in the way of the Philadelphia Phillies going back to another World Series. Now, it was a win-win or a lose-lose situation in the NLDS between the Phillies and the Braves. Last year, it's pretty much the same thing. I think everyone was rooting for the Phillies to knock the Braves out because the Braves are just a, a really unlikable team. And the same holds true this year. I'm glad to see the Braves gone, but I don't like the Phillies much either. So, Hopefully, Fam and the Diamondbacks can shock us all and pull off the upset to uh, eliminate the Phillies from the playoffs. And that's why I'll be wearing this jersey backwards for the first segment. Then I got to flip it around. I think this is pretty uncomfortable. It's kind of choking me because you're not really supposed to wear <coughs> a jersey backwards like this. But let's get to the real story of the day Francisco Alvarez. How good can he be for the New York Mets? What can we take from his rookie season? Let's look at the overall batting numbers. 209 average, not great. 284 on base, not great. 437 slug, pretty good. Get a 721 OPS from your catcher position, that's really solid. 25 home runs, 63 RBIs. Now, on the surface, you'll look at all of those stats, and you could point to it not being an above-average offensive season, but there's a couple things here. For one, you have to grade it on the scale of catchers and getting offensive production from your catcher is not something the Mets have gotten a lot of since Mike Piazza. So 25 home runs, that's the best they've done in a long time from their catcher. And you know, going into the season, I remember I had Arm Layton on. We were talking about Alvarez and Beatty. It might have been after Alvarez got called up. And he said that he thought Alvarez could be a Mike Zanino type catcher for the Mets this year. And he really was that. Didn't get on base a ton, didn't hit for an average, but was able to hit the mistakes that he got and put up 25 bombs. So I thought overall his season was good. And the defense, which we're going to talk about in the next segment, is really what made him stand out. Today, I went to our subtext, which if you want to join, you can find the link in the description, subtext, a way that I can send the listeners of the show text, and you can text me back. I asked for questions about Francisco Alvarez. So there was a couple that sort of fit the same sort of you know lead into the conversation we're going to have about his streaky offense. One was... How does he gain more consistency at the plate? 
He seems to be feast or famine at the moment, which makes him a liability when he isn't hot. Another was, what is your opinion on his offensive struggles this year? His power is clear. I suspect he will become a truly great hitting catcher in the long run. How long of a leash will we have next year to develop offensively? I think that last part of the question is the easiest answer. He's going to have the job. I mean, he did enough this season, particularly with the glove, but also hitting the 25 home runs that you got to get in the runway to be your starting catcher of the future. It is his job squarely. Um, does he play more games than he did this year, you know, in the 120 range? I don't know. Maybe he gets up a little bit more if he hits more consistently to get some DH opportunities to get closer to 130, 140. I think the playing time is about what it was this year. He's going to play about 22 to 24 games in a month and get some days off. I think that's sort of what we saw here. But the streakiness part of that, of those two questions, you know, him being very feast or famine, how can he be less of a liability? I think part of that just comes with time, right? This is a guy that gets called up. And you know, I think one of the things that was interesting about Alvarez is his bat always fo- forced promotions and it ended up being his glove that got him up because the Mets just needed a catcher. So he gets called up and he has to learn how to catch a major league staff. And I think that's a big part of that inconsistency. There was a lot on his plate. So at times he would be you know hot at the plate and he would be able to figure it out sometimes i think it was hard to get out of slumps because there's so much you're working on you're working on your defense constantly because that's what's going to keep you on the field and it's hard to maybe work out of those slumps quicker but it really was a month by month kind of swing of a pendulum in april first 12 games he played he hit 194 216 on base 278 slug hit just one home run in those 12 games had an ops below 500 not very good. He struck out 35.1% of the time, only walked 2.7% of the time. May, he got scorching hot. Hit 292, got on base at a 363 clip, slugged at a 667 clip, OPS over 1,000. He had a weighted runs created plus of 176. Again, that measures hitters based on a league average of 100. So he was 76% better than your league average hitter that month. He hit seven home runs. He got his strikeouts under 20%. Only time he did that in the season at 18.8%. Walked 7.5% of the time. Was just an overall great hitter. June comes around. Back off a cliff. Hit 151, 205 on base, 329 slug. OPS barely over 500 at 534. Did hit four home runs, but struck out nearly 30% of the time. Just not good overall. July, 20 games played. Again, Skyrockets up, hit 275, 351 on base, 623 slug, OPS of 974, 163 WRC plus. So he was 63% better than your league average hitter, hit eight home runs. So again, there's that swing. He was unbelievable. And really, that was it for the season. There was two great months, two great months, two terrible months, and two months that were pretty bad. Um, and the only reason why I say the others were pretty bad is because he hit four home runs. So he had some production value. But again, you look at April, really bad. June, I mean, pretty bad outside of the home runs. July, amazing. August, hit 139, 262 on base, 194 slug, OPS below 500 again. One home run that month. Dreadful. September comes out of it a bit. I mean, hit home runs at the end of the month to give him four home runs, to bring his slug up to 467, 760 OPS. But 
still was not good. So the question then becomes, okay, how does he find that consistency? That That's the thing. How can you get to a point where you're not having these just massive, massive droughts offensively? I think the big thing is to just not fall into as deep of a funk. I, I think there is a, a roadmap. Okay, look at what he did in September overall. If that becomes the bad month for Francisco Alvarez, he hit 200, which is that good? No, but it's not hitting 151 or 139. He got on base at a 269 clip. Is that good? No, but it's not getting on base at the 205 clip that he did in June or the 216 clip he did in April. The slug was good because he hit the four home runs and had some doubles. So the 467 slug, that was solid. And again, that's where the value comes in. If he can hit four home runs in the down month, well, then he's going to be so much more productive over the course of the season because really I think what you would hope for, even if he becomes a streaky hitter for the rest of his career, which is fine because guess what? If he ever gets hot in October, I mean, that's the dream, right? To have a hot catcher in October offensively, it's going to take your team to another dimension. If he can get to a point where he has the same type of a season that he did this year, but the valleys aren't as bad and maybe he has a little more peak to it. So let's just say it's six months season, three months are down three months our way up. So he carries your lineup for half the year, but the other half of the seasons it's bad. If he's putting up the 200 batting average, but the four home runs and, and giving you some production in those bad months, you're getting 12 home runs in those bad months. And then if he's hitting seven to eight in the other three months, that gets you, you know, 21 to 24 homers. All of a sudden, you're looking at a guy that's, you know, hitting upwards of 30 to 35 home runs from the catcher position. And, you know, he might not ever be a guy that gets on base at a 350 or 360 clip. That, that might not happen for him. But if he's getting on base at a 310 clip and he's slugging, you know, 480, 490, well, now he's getting close to an 800 OPS as a starting catcher, which is great. So I, I think because he's a catcher, it, it does allow for, you know, the offense to not quite be at the same level as an all around great hitter, but he's also young and there is a chance that he can stabilize it. Like what he did in July over 20 games, I wouldn't be completely stunned if he could do a facsimile of that. The 163 weighted runs created plus the eight home runs. Is he going to put up eight home runs per month? Of course not. But, you know, could he get to a point where he hits for that average of 275 and gets on base at a 350 clip? There is a world that happens, but I'm not going to count on that now when all we've seen is a rookie year. That's the absolute ceiling. But I think the middle ground of where he can fall is a guy that's hitting 30 home runs from the catcher position, playing great defense. And what you just hope is that he doesn't, have months every season where he just becomes an absolute as one of the texters on subtext said liability for you offensively. That's where the issue can come in, but the defense does save a lot of it. And that's where we're going to discuss next before we do today's episode is brought to you by sleeper. The MLB playoffs are here, but you can still play daily fantasy sports with sleeper and receive a hundred times payout on your cash because it's football season. It's also basketball season around the corner, so there is a lot you can still do at Sleeper where you can pick more or less on stats from 
stars around the game, whether it's football, you're looking at, you know, how many touchdowns Patrick Mahomes is going to throw on a Sunday, or maybe you want to uh, look at how many interceptions uh, Daniel Jones or Zach Wilson will throw. Uh, you can pick more or less on stats, combine them. You can get up to a hundred times payout on your money. And there's also built in group chat functionality. So if you want to play with friends, you guys can make your picks together. You can copy your group's picks with a tap of a button. Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy. And they have safe and fast withdrawals. Use promo code locked on. You'll get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. These sleepers terms of use for details. Currently operational over 30 states. Check out sleeper today. As we transition this conversation to the defensive side of things, I, I want to pull up another question from one of our subtexters. It says, was Alvarez viewed as the defensive liability before this season? I feel like I remember the story was big bat, but questionable behind the plate, but maybe I'm remembering wrong. You are not remembering wrong. That was the narrative, right? That Francisco Alvarez was all bat and the glove had to catch up. And that was what I was alluding to last segment. Throughout his minor league career, he was earning promotions based on the stick, not what he was doing behind the plate. And, and so he is constantly the youngest player in these leagues that he's catching in, trying to figure things out in the fly. And that's not an easy position or a place to be in. And because of that, the defense did struggle. But I think it was made pretty clear to Alvarez that if he wanted to be in the big leagues, the glove was going to have to lead the way in a certain respect. You know, he, as a catcher, He's got to be able to hold his own. They can't just put him in there because of the bat at this level when you're managing a staff that, remember, at the beginning of the season had Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, two future Hall of Famers. But by the time Alvarez was up, it seemed like they wanted to pitch to him because that's how good he was behind the dish, particularly at framing, which was not considered something of a strength of his going into the year. But you look at catcher framing runs. He was worth nine catcher framing runs. That's the fourth best mark in Major League Baseball. His strike rate of 48.9% was 10th best. And your strike rate is also a little bit dependent on the guys pitching to you, right? They're not throwing strikes. A little bit harder to get to get all those calls. But, uh, you know, it's the closer it is to the, the region where he can frame, the, the easier it is on him, right? So he did really well. And you look at the corners, right? That's the toughest to, to get strikes. But if you look at the zones that they have on, on stat cast and for baseball savant, they really do lay out each region of the plate. And what was interesting is glove side. Okay. So for, for Alvarez as, as a right-handed catcher glove side, which is inside on a right-handed batter outside on a left-handed batter. He was one of the best in baseball fifth best. They strike rate of 67.2%. So that shows you the work he put in to get really good at that motion, right? You, you can't be just overselling it or you're not going to get the calls. You have to have a really strong wrist and you got to make sure that you're really framing it properly and subtly enough to get those calls. And he did a really good job with that. The other half of the plate, he was ranked 29th. That's tougher to, to learn. I think over time he'll get better there, but that was still a strike rate of 64.2%, which was above average. Okay. Ranked 29th in the league. Now blocks above average was interesting because for the season he was at zero. So he was a replacement level receiver when it comes to blocking, 
but he was ranked in the top 10 of tough blocks, which I found interesting. Now he was minus one blocks above average in easy and medium situations. So what that tells me is, you know, I, I think he probably at times on the ones that were easy, got a little bit lazy and the difficult ones, he was really good at getting down. It just shows you that more time uh, over the course of his career, he could continue to get better at that. He also could get lazy. I mean, that's certainly a possibility and something you have to monitor with a young catcher. You know, th- this year we might have seen the best defensive season of Alvarez's career because he just might have been so hungry to prove himself on that side. And when he becomes an established star, if he can offensively, we might see that defense come back. So that'll be interesting to see how he continues to compete over the years. But again, he checked all the boxes. His pop time was 1.94 seconds. It's really solid. Top 30 catchers. He was ranked 28th. His arm strength was 84.8 miles per hour. That's 19th best. So had a strong arm times. I felt like he might've been a little bit over eager to try to pick off runners, but it also didn't seem to, to get away from, from the fielders too much. Like it wasn't, a lot of throws going into right field when he tried to back pick somebody from first base. So as long as you can be accurate with those throws, hey, if you steal some outs, you steal some outs. Overall, his fielding run value was eighth. That ranked in the 88th percentile. So top 12% of the league. Francisco Alvarez was there. Six defensive runs saved, ranked 13th in baseball. And then you have Fangrass framing stat. It was at 15.2, which was the third best. They also have DEF defense. It's a measure of a player's total offensive value at 18.7. He was sixth best. So bare minimum, Francisco Alvarez was a top 15 defensive catcher in baseball. And he was probably closer to a top 10 at 21 years old. So if that is the starting point, you can imagine if he continues to focus on it, he can continue to improve. And I think what I hope is made clear to him is Hey, if you continue to put defense first, for the most part, if you put that much energy and attention to defense, Yadier, Yadier Molina built a Hall of Fame career on that. Now, the hitting will come with time, and, and I think he's so naturally gifted in that department that he's going to continue to to improve there. If he can, if he is able to be this good defensively for you know, the next 10 years, which is asking a lot, but I'm just sort of laying out the blueprint for him reaching his absolute apex, his absolute ceiling. It puts so much less pressure on the bat. It's not to say that you don't expect a lot because he clearly has massive upside offensively, but it's one thing to have to carry, you know, yourself offensively and, and, had the bat, you know, keep you in the lineup the way it was for years with Mike Piazza. That's that's one aspect of being that type of an offensive catcher is, hey, you maybe don't have to do as much defensively, but if you can do both, what that's going to do for your ball club is bring massive value. Look at Adley Rushman with the Baltimore Orioles. He's just a great overall hitter. He's an unbelievable defensive catcher, and it is no you know, secret why when he came up last year, that's when the Orioles started winning, and they've been winning ever since. Alvarez was not able to have that level of impact this season. 
partially because of the team around him and also because he was extraordinarily streaky. But I think he has that level of upside where he can be a top five catcher in the game and he can impact the game so much because of the position he plays. And I think that's the exciting thing we're looking at about looking at the future of the New York Mets. You, know, you have Francisco Lindor and Francisco Alvarez at the two premium positions who can be two-way players that really, really move the needle on winning. Can it move the needle as much as a Hall of Fame catcher that played for the New York Mets? I want to discuss the Mike Piazza comp, uh, which is a little ridiculous to ever compare somebody to a guy that good, but the ceiling really is limitless with Alvarez. So we'll get to that part of the discussion next. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. October baseball is back. You can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join FanDuel today and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to create your new account. Then you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. You can bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs to who won the game. Right now you can bet on each series. Do you believe the Diamondbacks are going to pull off an upset? You can bet on that. You can bet on the Rangers to upset the Astros or just go with the favorites in, in either series. This is your time. And once the games start back up again, you don't have to wait the whole game to get a W. You can predict what will happen in the next at bat with quick bets. Head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on right now. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Will Francisco Alvarez be the Mets' best catcher since Mike Piazza? In some ways, he already is. Now, that is a comparison that has been thrown around over the years since Piazza left the Mets in 2005. We heard it when Travis Darno was a prospect in the Mets' farm system. And then, of course, when Alvarez became the top prospect in the Mets' system, that name came up again. Can he be the next Piazza offensively for the New York Mets? Well, here's the interesting thing. He's already done more than any catcher since Piazza. Because you look at the production the Mets have gotten from the catcher position. 2006, Paul Aduka was very good. He hit 318. He only had five home runs, though. Did have 39 doubles, but only 49 runs driven in. Really good season. Some better stats than Alvarez just as a hitter overall. But the power production, the run production, not quite there. 2013, that's how big of a leap we go from Laduca to the next time there was any notable offensive production from a catcher. John Buck hit 15 home runs. As good as it got. Um, Travis Darno and Anthony Record combined for 20 home runs in 2014. Darno hit 13 of those. Then he hit 12 and 67 games in 2015. That was probably like pound for pound the best offensive season a catcher has had since Piazza. Just simply again looking at the small sample size and the production the Mets got. He then went on to hit 16 home runs in 2017. Then you have Wilson Ramos, 2019, four home runs, or not four home runs, 14 home runs, 73 RBIs. Good year. He did a ton with the bases, loaded hitting singles. Never forget that stat for my first season on this show, uh, but still good production. He was horrible defensively. He made you miss Mike Piazza as the defender. That's how bad Ramos was with the Mets, but I digress on that. Then you get to Francisco Alvarez. 
25 home runs, first time a Mets catcher. Wow, the lights went out in the studio here. Yeah, that's what he did in the ballpark. Put the lights out, how much he hit those home runs. Uh, Francisco Alvarez, 25 home runs, the first time a Mets catcher reached that mark since Piazza in 2002 when he hit 33. And it was the first time that a Mets catcher hit 20 home runs since Piazza in 2004. So really great run production from Alvarez. And you look at the standard that Piazza set. He had a four-year run from 1999 to 2002 where he hit 40 home runs the first year, drove in 124. Then he hit 38, drove in 113. Then he hit 36, drove in 94. Then he hit 33, drove in 98. If you look at his first season with the Mets, which was 98, where he got traded twice that year, so had you know the beginning of the year with the Dodgers, the week layover with the Marlins, and then got to the Mets. He had 23 home runs and 76 RBIs with the Mets, but overall in the season, 32 home runs, 111 RBIs. He was a walking 30 and 100. He was going to be somewhere in there, and he was going to hit right in the middle of your lineup. The Mets have not had a middle-of-the-lineup hitter at the catcher position since Piazza, and now they do with Alvarez. I mean, again, Darno had some good success, but he didn't become the type of bat that could be seen as a middle-of-the-order guy until he left the Mets. Alvarez has a chance to be really special. Will he ever catch Mike Piazza in franchise history? He has more of a runway to do. He's got a long period of time, potentially, especially if he ever signs one of these pre-arb extensions that are in vogue now. So, hey, Steve Cohen, David Stearns, maybe get on that. Lock him up to an affordable number while you can. Get him for an eight-year deal and buy out some of the free agency with some nice team options at the end of it. Let's just get something done, guys. This is the time to do it before he has the breakout of all breakouts and gets a little more expensive. But, yeah, he has probably more time than a lot of the best catchers in franchise history. Looking at Piazza, Gary Carter, even Todd Hundley. Uh, you know, they had a, a lot of good guys, and I'm sure there is uh, – who's the guy? I, I just know that the audience of this show, there's some guys who remember Jerry Grody. I, I knew – I obviously know of Jerry Grody, um, one of the best. I knew that someone was going to comment and tell me if I didn't mention Grody's name, and it wasn't on the tip of my tongue because, well – way before my time, but you know, Grody wasn't a great offensive catcher. Alvarez has a chance to climb up those rankings and yeah, maybe actually knock off Piazza's name. Now it would take a remarkable career, credible consistency, a lot of power production, but it's possible because that's how much talent he has. And I think the biggest sign of encouragement here is he, did all of those things this year at 21, 25 home runs, a great defensive season. He can continue to build on that defensively and be one of the best defenders in baseball behind the plate and keeps giving you that power production while just becoming a more well-polished hitter. The more he sees MLB pitching, you're going to feel really good about the production he gives this franchise moving forward. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked On Mets. That'll be all for this week on Locked On Mets. Uh, make sure you check that link in the description for our subtext to join that. Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein and Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. And what I'll leave you with is a pretty simple one. Go Diamondbacks.